0: Tell Jack about the
1: dowry. Welcome to the Progress Texas Happy Hour. Welcome to the Progress Texas Happy Hour. I'm Progress Texas Digital Director Sam Gonzalez. And I'm Progress Texas Podcast Contributor Joe Dusseltel. As you know, if you're following Texas politics, the state legislature has begun its fourth special session, which combined with the two weeks of the Ken Paxton impeachment is now up there for the most time spent on the job in a single year for our part-time lawmakers.
0: And this is all over Governor Greg Abbott's insistence that the legislature pass school vouchers. It's an option that a minority of Texans are interested in, but one that Governor Abbott is insistent on and essentially has made a legislative goal for multiple special sessions in a row and is essentially holding our elected officials hostage at this time. And
1: considering that and how busy all of them are, we're grateful for a bit of time for a recap uh, and view inside this ongoing ordeal at the Capitol from two of our favorite Texas lawmakers, Senator Sarah Eckhart of Austin. Welcome back to the happy hour.
2: Thanks for having me. Happy to be here.
0: And Representative James Talarico, who has been prominent in his coverage of the back and forth of the vouchers. Lately, um, making us super proud uh, to have him. Uh, Representative Tallarico, thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me.
1: Now, there are conflicting opinions out there regarding exactly how unprecedented a fourth special session in a year with a regular session actually is. Senator Erkart, are we now in record territory in terms of how long our lawmakers have been stuck in Austin?
2: Um. Well, I think we are in record territory. I think it's it's not a spot record in uh, in a standalone way. But the fact that it's a a go to mechanism that the governor continue is continuing to use um, each regular session, it's really starting to beg the question of whether or not we have a full time legislature.
0: Right. So this is a good moment to really consider the reality of serving in the state legislature. It's supposedly designed to allow for regular citizens to be able to serve as it's technically part time and only meets every other year for a limited time. Uh, Representative Tallarico, uh what's this fourth session like for you? What is it? Uh, what is it actually keeping you from doing at this time of the year? What would you otherwise be doing?
3: Yeah, well, it's keeping me from working a job that will actually pay my bills. Uh, as you know, <laughs> <laughs> we earn about Uh, $470 a month uh, after taxes uh, for serving in the legislature. We do get a per diem uh, when we're in session, which helps a little bit. But uh, it's not easy to pay a mortgage uh, or pay my bills when I can't work my actual job uh, during the year. And it's even harder for our colleagues that have families they have to support uh, or who live far away from the state capitol. Senator Eckhart and I are fortunate to live pretty close But think about our colleagues in El Paso or the Panhandle or the Rio Grande Valley. Uh, This can become really difficult. And in fact, you start to see more resignations, more early retirements in years with a lot of special sessions like this. We saw something similar happen in 2021 with the multiple special sessions that were called. So it takes a toll on lawmakers, especially lawmakers who aren't independently wealthy.
2: We actually just had one of the state senators decide not to run, um, and his stated reason for not running was because he needed to uh, be able to reliably be available to run his family's business.
1: It's easier for the two of you because you're in the area of the capital, you're in the Austin area. Um, and like you mentioned, uh, Representative Tellerico, that people are coming from El Paso, coming from Beaumont, coming from Texarkana, all these places. And it brings us to the pressure that Governor Abbott is applying pretty specifically to lawmakers of his own party who represent smaller communities in these far flung parts of Texas. Uh, Senator Eckhart, can you tell us about the choice that these rural Republicans are literally being held hostage over when it comes to vouchers?
2: Well, sure. Um, We debated vouchers in the Texas Senate. Unfortunately, it passed on a party line vote. Um, but I begged my colleagues on the other side of the aisle, consider how many private schools you actually have in your district and what your constituents actually want. Our Republican colleagues are under a tremendous amount of pressure by a governor who is insistent on this, frankly, unpopular voucher scheme. And so um, I'm hoping that the House, uh, the House Republicans will stand strong and do what they were sent here to do, do what we're all sent here to do, which is to represent the best interests of our constituents.
0: Yeah. And actually, on that note, Rep Talarico, this is you know one of the few times when uh, Republicans and Democrats in the House really seem to have a common legislative goal. Um, and so speaking about those sort of rural Republicans, it's apparently about a dozen or so of them that have really been holding out. Um, but they're under enormous pressure, of course, from the governor and other political forces that are threatening uh, to challenge them. Uh, Can you talk a little bit about your interactions with some of these Republicans, how things are looking for them and what's kind of keeping them holding? And do you think they will continue to?
3: Yeah, I've been extraordinarily proud of the bipartisan pro public education coalition in the Texas House. We represent a majority in the people's chamber. There is a majority of lawmakers in both political parties who believe in funding public schools and using every available tax dollar to support those schools. You know, Senator Eckhart just mentioned that a lot of counties don't even have a private school. In fact, it's a majority of counties in Texas, 151 counties that don't have a single private school. And so what are those kids supposed to do? How can this be a choice if there's not even a private school in your community that you can attend? And that's just one of many problems with vouchers. The voucher doesn't even cover the full cost of tuition. So how are you going to make up the difference? And private schools can deny admission to any kid for any reason they want. They can deny admission because of academics or behavior or disability or because your parents don't make enough money. So the idea that this is choice is is really misleading because the only folks that are going to have a choice are those wealthy families that are already sending their kids to private school. They're going to have a choice whether or not they want a 30 percent discount on their private school tuition bill or not. That's the only choice that's involved in this discussion. For the rest of us, for the poor and working class kids like the ones I taught on the west side of San Antonio, they don't get a choice to go to private school, but they are gonna have precious taxpayer dollars funneled out of their underfunded public schools.
2: I also think it's important to note that really this is a huge benefit to private schools. (laughs) Um, This is not parents choice, this is private schools choice. Um, they get to choose their students, they get to choose their curriculum, they get to choose their own metrics of success um, and how they're evaluated. Um, this there, There's no additional or even remotely similar regulatory regime over private schools, and that's fine. They're private, and therefore they should not be subsidized with public dollars.
1: Absolutely, and one of the things that I've been fascinated about this session, or these series of sessions, I should say, I've not been in uh, Texas politics very long, And so when I hear a governor uh, say, I'm going to keep doing these until I pass this seems pretty heinous, just in its own right. It's pretty blatant. And so I wanna jump back to you, um, Representative Rico. You've been doing a pretty fantastic job of facing down the Republicans who have been resorting to fancy names for vouchers. I mean, he's been saying we want vouchers, but they're saying it's school choice, which clearly it's not. Um, They're saying it's educational savings accounts, which sounds nice, parental choice. Um, You've been very direct in calling vouchers what they are, which is a scam. With all the things and all the pushing of the narratives, you're saying it's a scam. You've been yelled at yourself to say, hey, don't call it that, even though we all kind of know it's a scam. So I want you to give us in a very direct detail what you mean by the actual scam portion of this legislation.
3: Yeah, well, let's just back up for those that aren't education policy nerds or text ledge nerds. A voucher is any program that takes precious taxpayer dollars out of underfunded public schools and gives those tax dollars to unaccountable private schools, and they come in all different shapes and sizes. The first voucher was proposed in the Texas legislature in 1957, which for the history buffs who are watching, they'll know that that was only two years after the Brown versus Board of Education decision came down from the U.S. Supreme Court. It was a deliberate attempt to resegregate schools. And so there's a dark history with these voucher programs. And you're right, they they have They're unpopular in Texas. And so the billionaire mega donors who are pushing this have come up with a bunch of poll tested slogans to sell this scam to the public. And those are the slogans that we have to continually push back against. The reason that I call it a scam is because just like any scam, it sounds good on the outside when you first hear it. When you first hear something like school choice, that sounds good, right? We all we all want choice. But Just like any scam, when you dig one level deeper into the details, when you read the fine print, you realize that you're being ripped off. And that's exactly what's happening here. Poor and working class families are not going to be able to take advantage of this voucher scam because it's not meant for them. It's meant for wealthy families to get a discount on their private school tuition bill. In New Hampshire, where they tried something very similar to what's being proposed in the legislature, 89% of their voucher program. Went to subsidize kids who were already in private school to begin with. And in Arizona, right. it's 75%. In Wisconsin, it was 76%. So all this does is take money from poor and working class kids and from their public schools and subsidizes the private schooling of the wealthy few. It's welfare for the wealthy.
0: Right. Yeah. I, I kind of want to pick up on that because you're talking about the poll tested narratives, and that's exactly right. And that's, it seems to me, he's calling special, that they're special. Something has to change, right? So they're assuming that these narratives, all this money that's going into that, is going to change these members' opinions. Uh, but it seems like the only thing that it hasn't is that the actual voters right now don't support this. Do you see, and, and I'll, maybe we start with you, Senator, um, but I'd, I'd like to hear from both of you about this. Uh, do you see in each of your chambers um, members sort of is this pressure that, that's being applied to them? Is it having an effect on them? Or, or do you really think that they're going to hold strong? What I'm thinking about, of course, is primaries next year. Uh, are we going to see um, some of, is, is this going to be effective in, in, uh, in putting pressure on members to change their vote or, uh, or change the members themselves?
2: I think you're definitely seeing an effect in the, in the Senate chamber, there's no doubt. I mean, we, we voted along party lines, and it was very similar to the kind of pressure you saw in the Paxton impeachment trial as well. Um, you know, James rightfully has called out the billionaire megadonors that are behind this voucher scheme, this voucher scam, as, as he has rightly called it. And those same billionaire mega donors expect a deliverable on this voucher program, on this voucher scam. They expect to see that deliverable from the governor. From the lieutenant governor, and they are—they're um, keeping a list, and they are going to check it twice when it comes to uh, primary time. That's absolutely true, but that is all the more reason to resist them, because public education is the greatest personal and social uh, um, engine of uh, of prosperity. That humankind has ever developed and the idea that a handful of mega donors and and very very wealthy contributors want to dismantle it uh, so that uh, a handful can get a discount on their private school tuition it's it's not just about a few wealthy kids getting um um getting a, a a discount on tuition it's about dismantling a anchor institution of democracy really
3: yeah, and, and Senator Eckhart just brought up the Paxton impeachment trial, and these two things are inextricably linked. Uh, many of the listeners are familiar with the bribe offered to our lieutenant governor, who was supposed to preside impartially over that impeachment trial of our corrupt attorney general. That $3 million bribe that the lieutenant governor got to acquit Ken Paxton came from the same two billionaire mega donors who are pushing vouchers. So Tim Dunn and Ferris Wilkes, the two billionaire mega donors from West Texas, are shaping public policy for all 30 million Texans. Uh, and so we have to realize how these things are connected. The reason they want a corrupt attorney general and the reason they want to get rid of public schools is because they don't believe in democracy. And if you believe in democracy, you want a top cop who's not on the take. If you believe in democracy, right. you want free public schools that teach everyone how to think for themselves and become good citizens. And so it, it's really important for the folks listening to understand where this is coming from. And they need to understand how to follow the money. And this includes also an element of
1: religious based entities and private schools as well. Right. We haven't even brought a name to that. Could you speak on that a little bit, uh, Representative?
3: Yeah. You know, Tim Dunn and Ferris Wilkes. Um, are oil and gas oligarchs. That's how they made their fortune. But on the weekends, they are far-right Christian nationalist pastors. They both preach at these extremist churches. And if you listen to their sermons, it's pretty scary stuff. They believe that climate change is God's will. They believe homosexuality is the same as pedophilia. Uh, They believe that only Christians have a right to hold public office. In fact, they told Republican Speaker Joe Strauss, that he didn't have a right to be Speaker because he's Jewish. Um, so, their goal is to transform Texas into a, an authoritarian Christian nationalist state. And the first step in doing that is to dismantle the public school system that teaches everyone how to think critically and how to think for themselves.
1: Here at the halfway point, a personal invitation to you, dear listener, this holiday season. You're invited to celebrate with us at either or both of our two Progress Texas holiday parties for 2023. These are fun and informal gatherings with your fellow Texas progressives. Meet and mingle with officeholders, candidates, activists, and advocates as we share stories and raise a glass to progress in the Lone Star State. Our Austin party is on Friday, December 1st, and our Dallas party is on Wednesday, December 6th. Sponsorship opportunities, too hope to see you there tickets and all the info now at progresstexas.org with all of this kind of not kind of being publicly known but not necessarily spread as widely which is why we're asking these questions on the podcast so we can get that word out they're really going to lengths to satisfy these two donors, these two people that are wanting to push this through. So like Senator Eckhart, late last week and right at the beginning of this fourth session, Republicans in the Senate very quickly passed their version of a voucher bill and did so with no room for public comment. Uh, this is being you know, singled out as trashing the transparency of our democratic process simply out of convenience. Now, tell us what happened, because a lot of people might have lost it over the course of the weekend. So tell us what happened and give us your view on this quiet rush job that happened late last week in the Senate.
2: Well, late last week, because we had had the third special and we gaveled out on the third special and went immediately into gaveling in the fourth special, uh, the the Senate trashed all of its rules um, and passed these bills with virtually no public input and hardly any notice to the press. So we rushed them to the floor. Um, for uh, votes and then uh, gaveled out a legislative day and gaveled in a new legislative day even before the day was out. If these were such popular uh, legislative priorities of the governor, why wouldn't you want public comment to show how popular they were? This really was about hiding from the voters. Uh, It was hiding from the press, hiding from the voters and pounding things through with as little scrutiny as as possible. This is not a transparent or quality process of of any shape or form. Um, Again, if if it were popular, you shouldn't seek to to hide and pass things um, without notice and without comment.
1: As we entered this conversation, even before the show, we had talked about uh, the outcome of this fight, you know, uh, some of us a little more optimistic than others in this conversation, but the idea was they're trying new tactics to try to kind of subvert some of the things that they couldn't get past before, uh, Senator Eckhart, I'm going to pass it to you first. What do you think is the result of this, uh, this voucher fight it's lost, you know, a bunch of previous times. Now they're getting kind of shady with it. Do you think it's going to meet the same result?
2: I I think that these tactics, um, at least in the House chamber, are having the effect of just making the House members really angry and uh, digging in their heels, uh, not wanting to be uh, pushed around inside of a democracy where we're supposed to be the the representatives of our own constituency. Um, This is, at least on paper still, it's a democracy. (laughs) So um, I'm hoping... I'm hoping that this is having the opposite uh, effect of what the governor desires. I think the fact that the governor threw some very bloody red meat agenda items on with regard to border security indicate that he's afraid he will lose vouchers and he wants to have some very bloody red meat border security items to take the sting, the political sting out of having lost on vouchers.
1: And I want to pass that to you as well, Representative Tallarico. What do you think is the result of this fight this time around?
3: Well, I think we're going to have an answer to that question at the end of this week. Uh, The education omnibus bill is coming to the House floor. I expect one of the first amendments will be a Republican amendment to strip the voucher section of that bill. And that will be a straight up or down vote on the idea of voucher scams in Texas. As I said earlier, a bipartisan majority, Republicans and Democrats, have defeated vouchers every single time they've been introduced since 1957. I don't see that changing this week. I'm confident that that bipartisan majority for our public schools will stay strong, will stay united, and will serve the public's interest, not the interest of a few billionaire megadonors.
0: And uh, before we wrap up, thank you. Thank you, Representative. And, and we certainly hope um, that's the case. And, and uh, before we wrap, I, I just wanted to ask, Senator, you, you brought up the border. Um, it seems like last week, I think your colleague, Charles Perry from Lubbock area, SB4, uh, basically giving federal deportation powers to local police officers. Um, can you just basically give us an impression of that? And that that was also passed in that hush hush uh, rush session last week, I, I understand.
2: Sure. This bill was originally a a bill authored by Senator Birdwell. Senator Birdwell, uh, the bill was taken away from him uh, by the lieutenant governor and given to Charles Perry. My understanding is that it was taken away from Birdwell and given to Perry because Birdwell uh, was not willing to make it as unconstitutional as um, other members of the uh, Republican Senate were willing to make it. It has so many constitutional infirmities. I can't even. I, I could name them, but it, it would take us a while. Um, I don't even think that the Republicans expect that bill to ever actually go into effect. I think that they're using it as a political billboard rather than an actual piece of legislation. And for that reason, I believe that it's on the call in order to divert people's attention away from uh, Abbott's failure on vouchers. I hope that it never goes into effect. It is a, it is a, a, a cruel and unconstitutional bill.
1: And, and to pass it to Representative Tal Rico, we've been talking about some degree of common cause over school vouchers in the House between the two parties, but that agreement doesn't seem to uh, exist when it comes to the border. What's your take on the mood surrounding immigration in that lower chamber?
3: You know, I think there's not the same bipartisan consensus because our Republican colleagues on this issue don't actually want to solve the problem. You know, I'm someone who wants to fix our broken immigration system. I want to see comprehensive immigration reform so that we can have a secure border and an immigration system that reflects our values. And we could have that conversation as a legislature. We could reform our asylum system. We could relieve the visa backlog. Uh, We could reform and modernize our ports of entry, which, by the way, is where 93% of the fentanyl gets in. And because they're so out of date, we can't even detect and stop that fentanyl from entering into our borders. That's through the ports of entry. We could do all of those things. If we really wanted to solve this problem. But Greg Abbott and his allies would rather score political points with these dangerous stunts, you know, building Trump's ineffective border wall, um, trapping migrants in razor wire. You know, that kind of stuff will get you on Fox News. That kind of stuff will fire up your base but it actually doesn't solve the problem. We've spent $10 billion on these stunts and border crossings are up in the very same places where we pulled these stunts. So it's, it's not working. It's having the exact opposite effect. I think most Texans, most Americans just want us to fix this problem. They want real solutions and not these political games that, uh, that allow politicians to get on Fox News and Grandstand.
2: And and real solutions requires a partnership between the local, the state, and the federal government. And right now, the state government is not partnering well with the locals or with the federal government. Truly, this is a political billboard. It's not a solution. It's not even intended to be a solution.
0: It's wild that that could be something that they think other people would accept. And unfortunately, too many people have um, on that side over politics. But, um, Senator, is there anything that uh, you'd like to share that we haven't covered today?
2: Um. I think that uh, I know that a lot of people feel uh, um, a sense of hopelessness, uh, and I hear often that people feel that if the governor keeps calling us into special session over this issue, that he'll eventually get what he wants. And I'm, I want to encourage people, do call and write Uh, Write their legislators. Find people who live in other districts who will write their legislators. Um, Thank the Republican House members who are standing strong. Uh, Thank Senator Nichols in the Texas Senate for standing strong on vouchers. Um, It it does matter, your input. Uh, So please do contact senators, contact your House members, uh, encourage them to to turn toward one another and save this most American of institutions, which is public education. Don't let it go to a, a political billboard to satisfy Wilkes and Dunn.
1: And Representative Tallarico, do you have any final thoughts on this situation and kind of just the, the matter of things right now, kind of the state of things right now?
3: Yeah, I completely agree with Senator Eckhart. Um, we've as Texas Democrats have suffered a lot of losses over the past few years. But we are on the cusp of winning on one of the most important issues to come through the legislature in a long time. The governor of this state has made defunding public schools his number one priority. We have stopped him multiple times this year, and I believe we're going to stop him again this week. And that's because we have stayed focused. It's because we have told a consistent story. And it's because we have uh, extended an, an open hand instead of a closed fist to our Republican allies we've built bridges instead of walls. That's how we have beat the governor on his number one legislative priority. That should, I think, be a lesson for our entire party, for our entire coalition, for anyone who cares about democracy in this state, in this country. There is a way to win if you stay focused, if you stay strong, and if you build a big enough coalition. Uh, so I, I'm feeling very hopeful, actually, this week. It's been a tough year, but we're on the cusp of winning uh, because we've stayed united.
0: Those are really great words. I really appreciate that. In fact, you uh, you might have converted me. I think I'm a little more optimistic than I was before. <laughs> like, seriously. <laughs> I, I didn't say, mention I mean, any say. names. I
1: didn't, I didn't no, mention you did any names now. about
0: <laughs> the lack of optimism. I'll call myself, but... I'll call myself out on this one. No, that is keep, true. Keep and what you faith. said is keep that, the faith. We, we will. Right. Thank you so much. That, that That's really great. And of course, I can't let you guys go without reminding you how much we're looking forward to seeing you at the Progress Texas Happy Hour um, holiday party. And Austin on December
3: 1st. I uh, hope you are both got that on your calendars. it will be great. Yeah, because I'm here. I'm here at this happy hour and I don't have a drink. So I assume there'll be real drinks at that oh. happy hour. Okay.
1: Uh, it, it's, it's a tradition that has come back and forth of whether we should have a drink or two. I think both of you deserve to have one and we're going to be welcoming you and making sure you have plenty at the
0: holiday party here
1: in Austin. <laughs> All right. Yeah, we'll okay. make
0: up for it on December 1st. Okay,
1: got it. Got it. Holiday party sponsors will join orgs like Common Cause Texas and the Texas State Teachers Association and folks like Reps Gina Hinojosa and Gene Wu who are pitching in to support our work, fighting misinformation and keeping Gen X, millennial and Gen Z Texans energized about the big issues of the day. Senator Sarah Eckhart of Austin, Representative James Tallarico of Round Rock. Thank you so much for joining us today and best of luck with yet another special session.
2: Thanks so much.
1: Thank you. Thanks also to podcast contributor Joe Deschatel. And listeners, thanks again for listening to the Progress Texas Happy Hour. If you're enjoying our podcast here at Progress Texas, a great way to get active is to share our podcast feed with a friend. Also, a reminder that tickets for our Austin and Dallas holiday parties are on sale now. And you can also help us continue our work with a donation. All of that is at progresstexas.org. A quick thanks to a few of our re- recurring regular donors, Gene Robinson, Hannah D. Cutshall, and Matthew Wright are part of the regular, reliable backbone of our funding here at Progress Texas. Our sincere thanks to them and to all of our regular supporters. Be sure to subscribe to all of our podcasts and be sure to give us a five-star rating on your favorite, favorite podcasting app. Thank you and take care. Bye, y'all.